we have been scrolling Instagram nonstop. We're scrolling TikTok. It's wild. We are over consuming so much information, right? So while I was drawing it, I was getting so excited about the idea that this is my social media. This is my camera roll. Like it's over consumption. I'm seeing too much. It's, it's too much information. That's Louisa Schmolke. I'm Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Let's tell everyone who you are, where you are in the world, and what you're up to. So my name is Louisa Schmolke. I am a Scottish artist, architectural designer, illustrator, content creator, and foodie. Uh, I'm currently in Scotland, where I'm from, but I live in London full-time. I'm just back for Christmas. Nice. Um, You, as you mentioned, do so many things. How did you end up in this journey where you're able to do all of these things and have fun doing them at the same time? Yeah, good question. So it's been a bit of a timeline. And actually today I've been preparing some slides for a university that I'm lecturing at in two weeks. And they also wanted me to chat about going from architecture school, master's in architecture, all the way through to being an artist. So it's all fresh in my mind. (laughs) And basically it was, quite well it was over around 10 years but basically I went and studied at the University of Dundee in Scotland that's like an hour and a half north of Glasgow Scotland's not that big so I always like to set the scene yeah the timeline goes as follows I studied a master's of architecture at the University of Dundee and I graduated in 2018 and then I moved into doing a regular part two architectural designer job which is basically what you do straight after your master's in architecture and I worked in residential architecture I was doing a lot of 3D modeling visualization and I enjoyed it I enjoyed every aspect of it but it was in Scotland and I was really craving a little bit more I'd always wanted to move back to America because I had lived there before and so I quit my job and I was up and ready to move to New York I had got a job there, a sponsor. They were covering my visa. I was like, it's all happening. And it was March 2020. So the plot twist was I didn't get there. So then I was like, oh, my goodness. So essentially what happened was the embassy shut five days before I had my visa interview. And so I couldn't actually get to New York. And I had an apartment there. I had a job there. I had quit my job in the UK. I was like, what have I done? This was a bit silly. But actually what that ended up doing was freeing myself up finally to do the thing that I was most interested in, which was actually the art and illustration and creative side of architecture. So that had always been my strong suit. It had always been the thing I'd enjoyed, but I'd always followed that classic vocational trajectory of just being an architect. Um, And so I had around nine months to chill around, as it were, as we all were in lockdown, no pressure. I moved back in with my parents, which was difficult, but we're fine. We've moved on. And then I began to set up my art platform and my art business, uh, which was with a website and everything that comes with it. And from there, I developed a social following, a social media following and I started to kind of garner a bit of an audience who were wanting to buy my artwork. And then I realized, wait a minute, why have we all given art such a bad rep? Like you can't make money from being an artist, that kind of struggling artist persona. And I was like, maybe, yeah, that used to exist. But now with social media, I'm like, 
we could probably do whatever we can try to do here. So that's what I did. I set up the social media that helped grow and then eventually monetize that. And I wanted to move down to London after the pandemic was over. And I worked in architecture firms such as Foster and Partners and Heatherwick Studio, and they were amazing. Uh, But eventually, as of 2023, I was like, I think enough times passed, I could commit to this full time. And so we are now at present day 2024, and I am spending every hour of the day and evening and weekend kind of setting up everything that comes with a business and just getting it going. So yeah, there's the small timeline. (laughs) Well, and I'm sure there's, I work with so many creatives and so many artists, um, as a business coach, and they're always trying to figure out their own secret formula of how to go from unknown artists doing it on the side to having success. And you mentioned the social media component. What are tips you would give to people specifically to build them their presence on social media? Because I think that many people are trying, but I don't know that many are doing it well. So what are some things that you had to learn along the way that allowed you to start getting the momentum that you needed? Yeah, it is a good question because I think if it had been even five years ago, 2018, well, that wasn't five, that was six years ago. But even then, I wasn't using Instagram properly, as in I was barely using it. And it would be like a picture a month and that would be it. And I Mm -hmm. wasn't really, I didn't really care about it. And then when it came to that uh, 2020 that beginning of lockdown um one thing that I think personally helped me grow uh, was the fact we were in a lockdown so I was one of those businesses there's loads of us now but that set up right at that cusp of time where everyone was on their phone everyone was on social media people couldn't leave the house they were looking online for everything like Instagram became Pinterest and TikTok then was for the younger generation and now it's for every generation. And that all Mm -hmm. kind of came in the last three, four years. So I think I was lucky in that respect to have people focusing on me. I'm not so sure in this present day how people begin from Mm -hmm. zero 2024. I think it's a different strategy. It's a different approach. Obviously, it's video content. It's reels. Mm -hmm. It's TikToks. It's uh, being authentic, being honest speaking, showing your face, all these things that actually I'm not 100% there with yet. But in the lockdown, you could do it in different ways that were more subtle and strategic. And, you know, I actually wasn't thinking about it, which I think helped. I wasn't planning the stuff, whereas nowadays everyone's maybe planning too much. They're maybe like Mm -hmm. setting themselves schedules of when to post. I'm definitely not like that. I'm quite um, casual about it. But Mm -hmm. I think that's something I might want to step up if I'm doing an art drop or print drop or a speech of some kind like I'd want to plan it in advance but I would definitely say video content is the automatic answer to your question well and and I found you on Instagram which is how I've been finding many guests that we've had um and I stumbled upon you your I don't know if I'm saying the right way but 3024 or do you say 3024 3024 but 3024 is fine. I actually threw that name together. I, I realize now that it's it is a whole mishmash. I'm like, should I have called it that? <laughs> but obviously, yeah, that was for the reason. So that's so interesting. That's how you found me. That's how I yeah. seem to be, you know, meeting people in London, g- genuinely out and about. And they're like, oh, you did the squares. I was yeah. like, 
I did do the squares. Yeah. <laughs> so for everyone who has who's listening who hasn't seen it, who's wondering what we're talking about, what is 3024? 3,024 is a large 1.6 metre by 1.6 metre. Don't ask me that in Imperial. I actually (laughs) don't know. Um, Hand-drawn grid of 3,024 squares. And each grid square is around two centimetres, which maybe is a couple of inches by a couple Mm of inches um, wide. And within each square is my memory. And I've hand-drawn each with a pen and... I drew it over the course of around six months and it was memories that were happening there and then. So it was actually instantaneous. And then it was also coupled with uh, memories that were years old, years and years old. A lot of it was filled with architecture. It was filled with quotations, feelings. You know, when I was in a bad mood, I would like scribble on it. Thankfully, it was pinned up on my wall the whole time. And it kind of became my therapy. And I started to realize that halfway through. It was never the point. It wasn't meant to be for therapy. It was meant to be for, well, I don't know what it was meant to be for, but I've done quite a few more grids before that, but this one happened mm-hmm. to go viral. Um, it's just the way I like to draw and capture mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I also think um, drawing in a small space, like a few inches by a few inches, you're limited. You can't make as many mistakes, you know? It's really mm-hmm. easy, even for the non-drawer. And I've had so many ideas since finishing it about people commenting messaging people have been emailing me you know that they want to do it and I would love to somehow get everyone on a collaborative piece that would be amazing and and get everyone to put in their thoughts and opinions and I just think it it could go so many ways um and it's so simple and I've always drawn like that so for it to have taken off because of social media that was just so amazing and it has opened up so many opportunities since well, I mean, it's been selected by the Royal uh, Scottish Academy. Like you've been getting placed with this project that I don't, did you think it was going to become this thing that other people got at this level? Yeah. Well, let me have a think. When I was drawing it and I first marked out these squares and I was on the floor and I was like flat out and I was starting to grid up and my flatmates walked in and they were like, this is a crazy girl. Who is she? (laughs) I was definitely like, I'm doing something a little bit different here. I think because of the scale, Mm -hmm. I was definitely doing something. If it had been in my sketchbook and maybe a little apologetic and I was just kind of doing it for me, I wouldn't have expected anything from it. But because of the size of it, I had done one in my third year of unity had also been quite popular. But by then we didn't we didn't have social media back then. That was like 2014 or something. We weren't really seeing these things shared, but it was popular for people that physically went to see it. They would walk up to it and actually squint their eyes and try and read each and every square. And so I was like, interesting as a concept. We have been scrolling Instagram nonstop. We're scrolling TikTok. It's wild. We are over-consuming so much information, right? So while I was drawing it, I was getting so excited about the idea that this is my social media. This is my camera roll. Like it's overconsumption. I'm seeing too much. It's it's too much information. I want someone to walk past it in an art gallery, in a public space and go, whoa, we need to stop. We need to look at this for longer than three seconds. And that was the kind of concept behind creating the Grid of Memories 3024. And so when I was squaring up on the floor, I thought, hmm, I could see people interacting with this in a public space, in an art gallery. 
somewhere where other art is and maybe people skip past other art because we all do we go to the gallery we think we're gonna sit and stare at a painting for hours and be really with our feelings but actually we are all so I don't know what the word is we've just we've consumed too much and so it needed to take something maybe like 3024 to make people stop and you were forced to look at it you know even if you even if it's not your style say you love colorful abstracts and it's not your style you still were like wait a minute we have to see what this is filled with so it was kind of a trick in a way (laughs) and that's how I'd like to like continue with it make more make many more Mm -hmm. and force people into looking at artwork well I love your idea of having one be collaborative because it could really be a there were so many random games that were being promoted on TikTok and Instagram to do with your family over the holidays. But imagine if the whole family did this, like my whole family uh, went to an art class at Disney uh, one day and we all drew the same thing. So I have all these photos of all of us having drawn a goofy sketch and it's fun to see where everyone was at and the different levels and what people focused on versus others, even though it was the exact same thing we were all drawing. But I like that idea of a snapshot of time of like allowing people that room. And I I think you're right. People get so intimidated with art. And if they're limited to a two by two centimeter square box, um, you can't think too hard about it. There's not enough room, as you said, to mess up. So what mark do you want to leave? And it can be that simple. I think we think art has to be huge and big and something extreme and dramatic and different and I think we're skipping over the humanity of it sometimes because of that yeah you've said it right I agree entirely and I also think with the goofy sketches what a good idea would be is if you've got them physically you could Mm -hmm. then just mock them up on photoshop create them curate them together into their own grid and all of a sudden have everyone's there it'd be such a nice idea and I think that I would love to create something in London and one in the middle of the city uh, somewhere that everyone can come and add their piece and it's how we see London that's an idea I have for 2024 but implementation is always the issue it's are people going to come in and like vandalize it and graffiti it and then all of a sudden you're like you were meant to stick to your square but they never do <laughs> so there is that risk yeah well I guess that also sort tells a unique story right like who would go outside their grid who would follow the rules it really does show you what is what are the people of London made up of? Because that's what it would become. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I and I think depending on where you put the grid, it's going to have a different result as well. And yeah. depending on who knows about it, again, with social media, I'd be hoping that my audience would want to come in and travel in to like get the pen and draw in their part. But mm-hmm. who else could it attract? Completely yeah. new people. I just love that kind of art and installation, large scale installation excites me a lot. And I've never really being part of it at all Mm -hmm. that uh, 3024 is the largest piece I've ever made so I mean if the paper allowed it I would go full wall yeah yeah I love that and then you have to bring in some ladders Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I'm keen I'm ready for it I feel like in America I was actually in Greece with my um I was doing a residency in Greece just recently which we can talk on in a in a Mm -hmm. bit but one of the girls that I was uh, sharing a studio with Phoebe Lowe, she's an artist, a mural artist in um, moving to Brooklyn and me and her made fast friends real quick. She's a mural artist and she was talking to me nonstop about murals and I was like, wait a minute, I could really see 
the grid being a mural for someone that is willing to get something really overly detailed on the side of a building I'd be the gal for it but I had never mm-hmm. thought about that until I started having these conversations with you know fellow artists that were thinking bigger than me I was just thinking paper now I'm thinking yeah. buildings <laughs> Well, even in my neighborhood, there's a, a uh, animal portrait artist who happens to live next to a park. And so her entire um, cement wall, she has painted dog wow. portraits of all the dogs who come to the park. And it, it, they're all, they're tiny. They're maybe the biggest one is like five inches. So what is it like eight centimeters? Right. And so they're, they're relatively small portraits, super detailed. And it's like a whole wall of every dog that's basically walked past her house. I love and that. Everyone stops, looks at it. Oh, that looks like my dog. Or, you know, there's she's a sign up. Who else wants to add their dog? Like it's it's um it's such a nice addition to the community. And some of the portraits go back 30 plus years. <laughs> so I don't know how that's she's maintaining so them. Cool. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to need you to link me to this. I will. This I need to see more. I love that. That sounds yeah. amazing. When I go on my next walk, I'll take a picture and I'll DM it to you. Thank you. Please do. Yeah. Well, one of the questions I'm always asking is if you go back to eight-year-old self, would she have imagined that this is your life today? And what would she be proud of you for? Oh, lovely. I love that. I think that I always think, oh, would I change anything? How? What would I see? Um, I think I'd still follow the same path that I followed because whilst I was in the middle of studying my architecture degree, I was like, I don't think I want to be an outright architect. Mm -hmm. I still think it led me to this exact moment and perhaps the architecture degree has given me a good backing for where I am now. And people do take you more seriously in in the industry of like drawing in, in London, in the art scene, when you've come from a degree such as architecture. So I would still kind of steer an eight-year-old me in the exact same direction that I went. But I would also say people need to, people needed to stop telling children that age that being an artist meant you were poor. I think, yes, I under, I totally understand that that was the case then. And um, in my residency that I just did in Greece, the um, older resident, Catherine, she's an artist in New York. And she was telling me all about back in the day when you used to have to do art a certain way and you'd have to get found by a gallerist. And it was all a little bit seedy and a little bit difficult and everything was a lot harder than it is now. She was saying to me, social media has changed everything, as I've said before. But I think... When she was growing up, being a female artist in New York, London, wherever, that was probably very rare. As we know, we don't know that many um, well-known female artists when we could have, but we don't because people were telling them not to. So perhaps I would say to the eight-year-old me, oh, by the way, you can be an artist and still have like what would be considered a normal life. You know, you're not going to be slumming it just because you decided to sell artwork. But again, we didn't know that back then. Even I remember my granny would say, oh, you're going to be an artist in the city. And she meant London. I don't think she actually was serious. And now I am. So that's Mm -hmm. good. And that is where I'd say, try not to differ too much. Try not to change too much. It'll all kind of move in the direction it's meant to. Well, and I think that art, similar to being a writer, it was something Mm -hmm. that a woman could do while being a housewife where it didn't have to be 
serious or support you or and I mean, I think that's still a big conversation today. I've I've done workshops on that exact topic of how do we give up that narrative because there's so many ways artists can make money and I love that you're treating it like an actual business. Like you said, like I'm full-time in my business now and you didn't say I'm a full-time artist, which I think is a really unique distinction because there are lots of people who want to be a full-time artist, but it's like, cool, how are we going to make money? How are we going to keep leads coming in? How do we make sure it works? And it's a big, many of my clients have struggled with how to, um, balance the business side and the artist side. And so it, I don't think running a business is hard, but I'm also (laughs) biased, but I think that it does take planning. And I, and I love that when even thinking about 3024, you were thinking about how can people use this? How is this bigger than I am? I was helping a client fill out a grant application recently and they wrote up their answers to the questions. I go, these answers are great, but if I'm reading this, not knowing you, I want to know who's going to be impacted by this art bigger than you, because that's what people, we want momentum for the community, for the art world. Like what's, what's the bigger picture. And I think sometimes, and this is true for all businesses, it's hard for people to see the seven degrees of impact that they can make. Is that something that comes intuitively to you? Like, how do you think of those steps beyond your own selfish creation for lack of a better phrase? Yeah, I like the way you asked that because I think, again, not studying art and not being an actual considered artist, that might benefit me somewhat in the future. Studying a degree that in the end we were thinking about construction costs, how mm-hmm. how much something was actually going to cost. Don't get me wrong, I don't think architecture teaches you enough about the business side, but it teaches you about management practice law. Mm-hmm. And I think that education is maybe irreplaceable. And then also it has the creative side. So I was never fully allowed to just run free and create beautiful artwork. You were never really allowed to just let loose. Whereas art school I understand you wear. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be a natural kind of differentiation. And then I am a lot more business brained than art, artistic brain. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right way to word it. I think I've always been a lot more concerned about how I can make this my full time job rather than thinking specifically about how I feel about a piece of artwork. So mm-hmm. it's like, how can I actually make this? Pr- I'm quite pragmatic and logical. And a lot more, I, I mean, I'm a lot more strong in that direction, but I'm also oddly creative. So I think actually mm-hmm. having this right side of my brain, the left side of the brain aligning like that means that I am thinking about how do I monetize this? But also, I don't just want to churn out loads of ugly stuff that I'm just doing super <laughs> fast so that I can make money. I think mm-hmm. there's got to be a right balance, but I haven't gotten there yet myself. I'm still getting there, but I do think that that kind of thinking about how people are going to see your artwork is just as important as how you feel about it if you want to run it as a business because mm-hmm. they're going to be your customer. You're not your own customer. And if I am thinking about it like that, then I would say it's important to think about how it's going to be received publicly just mm-hmm. as just as much. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it makes total sense. I think it's a really important point to make because we only need to make things that people want. 
And of course, we can make things that we want for ourselves and sometimes somebody else wants them. But it's being mindful of, like even in my work, I'll have an idea for a class or an area we should focus on because a lot of clients are bringing it up or need it. But then it doesn't really resonate with everyone because it might be seven layers deep into how you generate money. People just say like, how do I make more money? And it's like, well, if we focus on this one thing, you will make more money. But that topic isn't landing in the problem they have right now or the emotional thing they need right now. So there's a lot of ideas I have that sit on a future ideas list that would make more sense in a masterclass or in a multi-step program than in what people want to consume right now. So it's running your own thing. You have that freedom to make what you want, but to be successful, you do have to say, (laughs) how is this going to work? What do people actually want now? So I can keep having cash flow to then make the things that maybe are more aligned with me later. Exactly. I would love to jump into Greece because you, what I think is very impressive with your progression as an artist is that you seem to be doing a really good job of balancing your development with also opportunities and placements and being featured. So how did Greece come up and where do you want to do that type of experience next? Ooh, exciting. I've applied for a handful of residencies uh, last year and I'll find out about them this year. But also Mm -hmm. I am okay if none of them happen because I do want 12 months to get myself going with my business. So I've applied to like certain ones in Europe and I've been looking at a couple in the US, but that was just a separate kind of um, application process. But I can talk on residencies as well after it because my eyes have been opened up to the residency Um, everything about residencies like for writers photographers artists like they are wild I didn't know enough about them and now I'm like oh so I could be just like a residency hopper and just keep going (laughs) I could see that happening and so basically in 2022 summer I was leaving my old job as an architectural illustrator at Foster and Partners and I was uh, scrolling through LinkedIn and I saw an old uh, tutor at my university had posted uh, the Martin Jones Scholarship Award and I'd never heard of it and I clicked on it and it went through it and I saw you know are you x are you y are you this and I was like yes 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 and I was like oh I can apply so it was a free application which I always think why not and it applied to me. I had been a graduate at my university. I had certain qualifications that you had to have to apply for it. And I had a thesis that I had created in my master's year, which is my fifth year at the university, that I wanted to progress further. And I had always wanted an excuse to progress it. But once you leave university, all your wild dreams are gone. And then you get like a full-time architecture job. So you kind of just go a little bit um you just go a little bit insular and you're just all about your nine to five and that's kind of your life for a while. But I'd always thought about how I could apply a methodology that I had created in my master's thesis to any site globally that had been either written on through building before and existed now as a building. So it was more about footprints and um, buildings that sat in place that had a lot of history to them and looking at site analysis and analysing them and then developing that into abstracts, uh, paintings, and then turning that into architectons, 3D models, and then turning that into kind of a coherent architectural strategy. So 
bit of a mouthful, but I had taken that master's methodology and I put it into my application for Greece. And I'd said, I'd love to do what I did in my master's, but I'd love to do it in, a, in the Cyclades. I didn't know where. I didn't have my idea of what specific site I was going to pick. I was just kind of like, let's do this. It's going to be somewhere. And I'd fallen in love with the Cyclades many years before, and I'd been quite a few times in it in, before I went on the uh, residency. And uh, there was something about the islands that just absolutely fascinate me. I'm just in love with them. They are these beautiful white sugar cube houses with the clear blue turquoise water and these little narrow winding streets that just look like kind of like they're fake they look like they're painted it's wild so I've just I fell in love with it I always have been and I applied and then six months later I heard back so in that time I decided to um, continue on in the architecture field which was absolutely grand I took a business development role so I learned for one whole year about bringing in new work in architecture while I was actually uh, waiting to hear back about this um residency and then they awarded it to me and it was funding over two years so you got half the money in 2023 and then you'll get the other half in 2024 and the first half so the 2023 I moved to Greece for three months and then in 2024 my plan is to take all my experience in Greece and then turn it into a body of artwork for the end of 2024 so that is the plan and I can talk a little bit about what the residency was, if you'd like. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so I split it up into living on the island of Tinos, which is, I think it's the largest cyclade. And I was living on my own, which was maybe I regret that decision a little bit now because London can be quite lonely. But moving from London and then to be on my own for a month in Tinos, I was like, what have I done? And I was just... <laughs> I was just meant to kind of all of a sudden be really creative and like producing a lot of artwork and painting and and, and creating from the scenery around me, you know, taking sights and analysing them and sketching. I was meant to just all of a sudden be really switched on to my creative side. Mm -hmm. When I had come from quite a serious role at Heatherwick Studio in business development and writing proposals and bids and winning new work and clients. And so I was kind of going from completely opposite ends and trying to make it work so I was really panicking I was like I have creative block I don't know what to do and I was asking on social media I was asking on TikTok I was like guys how do I get out of this like I don't know how to anyway it turns out it was just time and I don't have a secret answer it was just being there for a long time and completely cramming down from burnout that I'd experienced in London just because I was overstretched, saying yes to everything, doing events, doing PR, doing my full-time job, seeing friends, eating at restaurants, like just spending all my time on my feet and I wasn't really chilling. So anyway, it was quite good to just relax. Took took about a month until I'd actually was able to produce a bit of work that I was happy with. And by then I went on to Ciros and my boyfriend came out and joined me in Ciros and there's this... Um, town called Ermopoli, which is the capital of Syros, and it was actually the capital of the Cyclades. And I think being there, it's a very small niche spot that not a lot of tourists go to. I think being there really unlocked something in me and all of a sudden I was like, I can do this now. I can take on the architecture, mm-hmm. I can breathe it in, I can see it all for what it is. But honestly, there was such a big block for a month. I, I yes. kind of felt like I was just existing. I was like, what are you doing? Um, and then I went on to a residency called Cycladic Arts in Paros. I had been to Paros before 
uh, quite a few times and I'd fallen in love with that island. It is such a beautiful island. It's definitely my favourite. Hit the ground running there and I was in a residency, which is a live-work space. So there were three bedrooms off of a courtyard and then a shared studio for two artists and then one of the bedrooms was a studio for that artist and I happened to be paired up with two Americans and I was like yay um <laughs> I think I'm American at heart sometimes the way that I've just always found my way back there I'm always trying to get there I'm always still all my friends are there um so one of the artists was Phoebe Lowe as I said she's a mural artist and the other was Catherine Parker who is an abstract artist in New York City and the two of them brought brought to me lessons that I couldn't have told myself and I brought to them lessons that they didn't know and the conversations that three of us had for one month we were all there for a month were emotional they were raw they were deep we were crying we were getting to know each other from strangers to literally like telling each other our deepest darkest truths Mm -hmm. and also all having that commonality of uh, visual art basically painting was our kind of all of us had that tied together and Demetra Scandali she's the owner and she set it up and she had worked in um she had studied in LA and she actually set up cycladic arts back in Paros because that's where she was originally from so we had all this this all these girls and this girl energy and I was like I thrive with girl energy I think I'm just such a girl's girl and I just kind of like relaxed, settled into it, didn't think about monetizing, didn't think about business, didn't think about panicking about basically all the stuff I'm doing now in January. (laughs) Took a month of just breathing and they taught me a lot of lessons about just basically the the wider art scene. They've both been full-time artists for a long time, whereas I was brand new into it. Um, I'd left my job on the Friday and I flew to Greece on the Sunday. So there was no time to decompress and become a full art a full-time artist yeah. until that point, I think. Well I think that leads into a great question that we ask on this podcast, which is how do the relationships with other powerful up to something and when I when I think of powerful ladies, it's like women who are doing what they know they need to do, like knowing what their their heart wants to do. Like, how does being around women like that change you, unlock you, open you to do more of what you know you need to? Yeah, it's a good question. I think if you're if you're familiar with that person, you're friends with that person, you trust that person. It's not intimidating. You're like, okay, I'm ready to listen. But see when it's people online that I see that just seem to know what's up, what they're doing, and they're like running this. I'm like, wow, what? But that's because you don't know them. So you don't actually know where they're coming from. So I think living in close quarters with these, well, I should say ladies, but we just felt like a group of gals. But I say living in close quarters with them, um, we all began to trust each other really quickly and learn from each other. So I think that was really great. And I picked up a lot from them. They were uncertain in their um, their own departments. Like they were really looking for help on social media, both of them actually. And mm-hmm. I gave them tutorials and taught Catherine how to do reels. She's 65. So she's literally like, I have no idea. What is this? What is yeah. this about? And um, Phoebe was trying to grow a following so she could reach more people with her murals. And I was like, this is what we're going to do. And I was kind of teaching everyone that. And it kind of showed me I wanted to get into social media consultation for artists as well, which is something that I've just recently thought about doing and actually something that I would have found beneficial um, a couple of years ago. So that kind of thing would be really useful. Um, But yeah, they had their own 
queries about things and I had my queries so we were just all able to kind of support each other and get each other there and there was a lot of trust but when I see other girls on say social media that are artists and they're just they look like they're killing it everybody looks like they're killing it all the time I'm like oh she's doing that maybe I should be doing that and oh she's she's I don't know she's got like a Patreon maybe I should have a Patreon and you know I've got all these ideas and I just keep writing them down and I'm like, when will I execute them? And the one thing that differs between being an artist and being an architect, when I was an architect, I was so insular. I didn't look at anyone else's work. I didn't care what anyone else was doing. I just looked at my own tunnel vision, got my work done, was really focused. But with social media, you can't avoid it. So I'm seeing too much. I'm consuming too much. And I think it's just important to realize that obviously we're all on our different paths. But no one is going to be aligned for the exact same jobs in the future. Some people are going to suit another brand better and they're going to go for that artist. And some people are in fa- more in fashion. Some people are more in food and drink. Some people, they're all, we've all got our different niches. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to not obviously compare yourself. That's a bit cliche, but it is. <laughs> no, it's so important. You know, there's who you are as a unicorn is the same thing as what makes a brand unique so that you know that it's for you. And I think that we can get so nervous about cutting off potential customers or followers or clients by saying who we really are and what we really care about and what work we really want because we don't want to turn people away or offend them. But the more that we are bold about who we are and what matters to us and what game we're playing, the more we can find the people who have been looking for us. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a bold, scary step to take. But everyone who I know who leans in on themselves more and is more direct about what they like and who they are and who they want to hang out with, suddenly all those people say, oh, that's, you've been here this whole time. I didn't know. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's so many people think they need a Twitter or an X or a Patreon and all those things. and if it doesn't align, if it doesn't get you excited, you probably don't need to do it. There's so many ways to make mm-hmm. money. And I look at the opportunities you've already had and even fun things like you were in that video with um, Top Gear. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I'm curious how that came up. But like, there's so many things in your uh, portfolio and that you've done that other artists like haven't haven't even tapped into. So um, I think where you're going my unsolicited coaching is that where you're going is great and keep going and trust yourself because um, you are light years ahead of many people in regards to what you've already done. And I can only imagine where you're going, even this year. It's going to just keep Ara, this growing. is too, you're getting me really, I'm like, I'm, I'm literally <laughs> just like, oh, this is so nice. No, it's I, that actually is so lovely to hear. I think I'll look at the projects and the portfolio I have and I'll be like, cool. And then I'll yeah. look at the portfolio and project someone else has. And I'm like, right, well, I better go and do every single one of them. Otherwise, yeah. but no, you're right. Like yeah. we are just not on the same thing as other people. Like some people are much yeah. more, they know they want to do stuff through Patreon and the YouTube uh, classes and things like that. And I'm like, wow, they're so on it. They look like they're, yeah. everyone looks like they're so on it. And, and I see mm-hmm. people and I'm like, they're so switched on and, they're so you know they're probably morning people I mean I'm not here to judge but I am a night owl so I also get to stuff later I begin Mm -hmm. later and I do think that I I have found now 
with the fact that this is now my full-time job, obviously you see so much. I'm, I am seeing what mm-hmm. people are accepting, what projects they're getting. And I'm like, I need that project, but do I? No, because I'm doing yeah. other ones that are coming to me separately. Yeah. I think it's great to be looking at what else is happening in the world so you can find points of inspiration or opportunity that you wouldn't have known existed. But I think it's so important to look at something and go, okay, what is it? What am I feeling? Am I feeling like I want that? Like I want to go to that school or I want to work with that brand? Or am I feeling, ooh, I should do a partnership with a brand that fits me? Like I think we don't like jealousy and envy show up and we they sometimes cloud like what the actual like what our the universe our body intuition is to actually telling us so we can go a little bit deeper into like okay what am i feeling what else am i feeling what do i know then we can start filtering things a bit more but otherwise it's just like huh i want their life and i won't have it <laughs> Well, thank you. No, I 100% (laughs) agree. And thankfully, I've never found myself being like, I want everything that one person has. In fact, rarely is it. It's more like, let's just say 30 people. And I want one thing from each of them that they've managed to reach out and they've managed to reach a brand, somehow get through to them, knock on their door, break through, and then the brand has worked with them. That is something I'm learning. I have not got a lot of... um, skills in outreach and Mm -hmm. you know reaching for work I actually more wait I don't know if this was always the plan but obviously I was working full-time so I didn't need to monetize it I was waiting for brands and they would just come eventually and Mm -hmm. I wasn't reaching for them and I have learned more and more you've got to like get your name out there you've got to reach out so I think for me with this new period of actually giving this my full time I'm going to have to dedicate a lot of time to actually reaching brands that align with me what I actually want to be working on I want to do a thousand more of the top gear ads I loved doing that kind of thing I love shooting with that those kinds of companies I didn't really realize that the architectural style of illustration really lends itself to technical drawing so obviously it lends itself to like detailed you know cars I I didn't know that and I wouldn't outright say oh I'm a car enthusiast that always wanted to draw cars but wow that collaboration was it's iconic. It will stay in my mind forever. And it happened in lockdowns. Mm-hmm. It also felt really surreal that someone had plucked yeah. me out, contacted me out of the blue. I remember getting an email. I was actually sat right here. I remember <laughs> getting, I was like, oh my God. And I ran downstairs. I was like, top gear, want to work with me. And I do still feel that energy when I even get mm-hmm. a tiny email from someone. I'm like, it's happening again, but it's never, you know, as big as that. But I do yeah. have the same excitement. I'm not from receiving emails I'm not bored from receiving outreach from people and I'm really not bored uh, of brands being like do you want to do this I still Mm -hmm. get that little flutter and I'm like why am I still so excited about this but I think that's good I'm not bored yeah do you want my um secret for getting connections yeah (laughs) so um I my, I always tell people make lots of lists. So make lists of the brands that you want to potentially partner with. And then you do a work back strategy because you want to figure out how do you get to one degree of separation of the decision maker there. So I then start making a list of, I'll go on LinkedIn because it's such a great tool for this to see who works there, who works there that I might know, who works there that might know someone I know. And then if I can't find something top down, I'll start going bottoms up. And think about, okay, who in my life knows somebody in cars? Okay, who can they introduce me to? And you just start making new friends 
to like move you closer and closer. Another technique is if you, um, using again, LinkedIn is go and connect with everyone that's there, except the person you want to connect with. Because when you do reach out to them, because even the free version, you can send a note, which lets you put a few sentences in. You can say, who recommended you? Like, oh, I talked to so-and-so and they thought that I should connect with you. Those two people don't need to actually be connected. But because you're mentioning a name that said I should reach out to you, you could even use mine for crying out loud. But <laughs> they suddenly think that they must know who you're talking about because right, why okay, else would you say this. it? Yeah. And then when they look at your Instagram account or your uh, LinkedIn, they see that you're connected to all these people that they know. So they're like, oh, well, you're not a crazy person because all these yeah. people know you. And suddenly they respond. Like one of my favorite um, like DM moments was I messaged the co-founder of Hint Water. Her name's mm-hmm. also Kara. She also has red hair. And we have a mutual connection. And I said, hey, Julie said we should reach out. Plus, you have red hair. We're both named Kara. We should definitely be friends. It was love. that dumb. And she wrote back in five seconds, yes, 100%, let's do it. <laughs> I just love that. And I actually, the way that you did that is what I'm like, finally, I can send emails like this. I can send DMs yeah. like this. Thank God. Because I was tired of being serious. And at my last job, they were like, we're losing Louisa. She's become so serious. But when we hired her, she was, yeah. we hired her because she she could speak to people. She could, yes. she literally could chat to the room. And then by the time I left, I was like, absolutely, uh, 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 sincerely, <laughs> Louisa. And I was like, I know this ain't me. And I know yeah. that connecting with people for me, I'm, I don't use like chat GPT to, to message people. I don't use like some, I don't copy paste. Like it would save me a lot of time if I did. But every time I reach out to a brand, it's all completely fresh email. I'm not wanting to do like cold reaching out to people. I know they can tell. And I yeah. actually just want to type it out fresh each time. And I'm not maybe the most efficient at outreach because of mm-hmm. that. It is something yeah. that I'm also just generally new to because I would say I only started out reaching actively in the past year Mm -hmm. but obviously to be in this business and be in this industry it's kind of it's part it's like 50 percent of the job well and and to me like we hate the word networking so often because it feels like weird drinks in a slimy bar i actually love networking i I do too (laughs) i miss it i miss it i i we don't do it in the uk by the way like it's barely a thing like they'll say we do we don't when i lived in america i lived in washington dc we would go out and literally random nights out three nights a week they would send me because I was young and chatty and I was like yes <laughs> and I would always come back the next day they're like who did you meet I'm like I don't know but it was a good time like yeah. we loved networking so I don't I know it yeah. gets a bad rep people don't mm-hmm. love it I, I need more of it I'm always a yes person I'm like yeah. send send me now <laughs> well and and we can make those ourselves but like it's so much about making friends like yes People hire people they trust and like and want to spend time with. So go make friends with the people who work at brands that you want to work with or who are doing PR with brands you want to work with. And it needs to be real and authentic, which I I think you would be no matter what. Like It just seems to be who you are. So go be real. Go make friends. And it all starts to work. That's why doing the residencies and when people have done like an artist colony, like why do all these people grow together? Because they all hung out and we're like, oh yeah, just give it to them. They'll be great. No one's doing this in-depth research to find people except a few brands and a few galleries who are truly hunting for someone new. But most of the time it's, all right, who's cool? Who's going to do this? Who can we count on? 
and who's going to be I fun. I think it's getting that. You're right. I think it's getting that specific. Who would actually do this and who wants to do it? And I'm literally yeah. like, guys, I have my hands up. I don't know how else <laughs> to do this. I'm ready. Like, I'm all yours. And I just yeah. want, I want the perfect thing to come in that mm-hmm. really turns into something, you know, well paid so that I can mm-hmm. live my life. And that I'm obsessed with that I actually want to do. And like, so that I don't have to go scampering around for smaller yeah. um, wins. And I can focus all my energy on one big win. That's mm-hmm. like my kind, I would love two massive top gear things a year. The way that that collaboration was, it was a five-day shoot. There was so much involved in it. I met so many people. I was driving that car, like it was a wild time. And I was sketching architecture. I was sketching the car. I was sketching. I'm like, yeah. who else? who else wants this? I'm ready. And I know that my issue is I need to know that came to me. So I Mm -hmm. expect other things to come, but that is the wrong attitude. And I've known that for a year or so now I got to reach out. (laughs) Well, and you have all those people from Top Gear to start reaching out to because who knows what other projects they're working on. That's true. Mm -hmm. You're very good at your networking. (laughs) I'm not quite as good as you. (laughs) Well, and also the last thing I'll say about this is the next crossover in the design world from cars is footwear, which is where I spent 20 years. So a lot of people who are footwear designers went to school for car design or other. I did not know this. I love that mm-hmm. so much. Good to know. Yep. yep. So it keeps going. There was a footwear party and I was like, I got to be there. I got to be there. How do I get myself to this? It was a big brand. I was like, I want to be there. I want to be in it. I want to be wearing them. I want to be involved. <laughs> and I'm just like I'm kind of like blocked from that specific niche and I'm like get me in yeah well now you have a connection so let me know how Dude, I, I love help. that uh-huh. thank you of course we ask everyone on the podcast um, a few final questions to wrap up for today the first is when you hear the words powerful and ladies what do they mean to you and do their definitions change when those words are next to each other yes for me And I hadn't actually thought about powerful that well. When I think of powerful, sometimes it's got slightly negative, like very like big suit and tie moment. Still to me, it's still quite like almost masculine, which is tragic. But (laughs) sometimes that is how I think about it. Powerful ladies, for some reason, it just makes me feel so safe. I Mm -hmm. am a girl's girl through and through. I can't explain it. I went to an all girls school. All my cousins are girls. Like my, I'm just one of three girls. Like I'm just surrounded by girls. It's 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 not the best exposure because then I'm like I'm not anti men, but I just find that I don't have lots of guy friends. See, when I meet women, I generally see like kind of the strength in each of them for different reasons. Yeah. Um. But when I'm speaking with guys, I always struggle. I'm like, I don't know how to speak to you. I I don't really know what the chat is, but I can always see something in women that I just can't explain. I can always kind of read them. I can understand them. That's Mm -hmm. why I find it interesting if I don't get on with a girl because I'm like, we're the same. We're we're powerful (laughs) girls. Like we've got the same ideas and thoughts. So yeah, I think when I see the two um, words together, that's really interesting. It's quite positive and safe and comforting to me. It doesn't feel like powerful sounds quite stressful to me. Sounds quite uh, workaholic, stress, corporate, powerful. Don't Mm -hmm. know what it is. Something like money as well. Very like, 
yeah yeah corporate for some reason and quite masculine um yeah (laughs) that's my answer we also ask everyone where they put themselves in the powerful lady scale if zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine where would you put yourself on that scale today and on an average day right now i'm thinking eight or nine came to me real quick Mm and if you get me in the morning I'm like a two, maybe a three, Um, because I do not feel the same way in the morning as I do in the evening. By the evening, Mm -hmm. I'm ready. I'm committed. I'm like, I've got this. And that is the night I will meet. I literally am like, I'll achieve everything. But in the morning, you know, I'm like, oh God, have I made the right decision? You know, am I really doing this right? And that's probably how a lot of people feel day to day. But for some reason, mine is morning to night. (laughs) Yeah, love that. Um, we've also been asking everyone, what do you need? How can we help you? What's on your wish list or to manifest list this year? Um, the powerful ladies is a, is a big group and with women with all different sorts of access and knowledge. So how can we help you? Wow. I love that. I would actually say probably what we just spoke about. Um, I need connected. I need throwing at people. Take me, take me as a ball and chuck me at people and whoever wants to catch it, they could catch it. I'm so open to everything. You never really get to an exact point in your life or rarely are you at an exact point in your life where you want um, your name thrown around like real fast. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just want exposure in a way that is going to benefit the business. I want it to mean that I'm not scampering for small work and that I can actually yeah. collaborate with, you know, powerful women as well powerful ladies like yeah. I'd love to be connected with a lot more girls at the top people that could happily pass me around saying oh by the way I know this really um creative artist and architectural illustrator and she she could draw what you're talking about while you're talking mm-hmm. about it I'd love that kind of thing um not sure how how helpful that is but that's kind of what I would always think is what I'm in need of at this current mm-hmm. stage in my life right now. Well, for everyone who wants to follow you, support you, catch you, where can they um, find you and reach out? You can find me on Instagram. It's artsy schmalky. My last name is schmalky and my name is Louisa schmalky and then it's art. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok and soon on every other platform that I find myself on. Also LinkedIn. Yes, ah, Louisa Schmolke on LinkedIn. I always forget about LinkedIn, but she's a powerful one. It is, and it's becoming more powerful. I it I is. think it's, I had people ask me the other day, should I make a LinkedIn? I'm like, yes, I don't know how I'd function without it. I get more business, more connections, more leads through LinkedIn than anything else. Um, Fascinating, and I love that. And I need to take that with me this evening when I begin my work. And it's already 7.30 at night, and I'm just beginning. <laughs> The the tip I'll leave for LinkedIn is people like to have discussions on LinkedIn. So you can use the same post you may have put somewhere else or video, but Mm -hmm. have a prompt be an open-ended question. Like, do you agree with me? How would you do this instead? What are your five? Because that people like to share their knowledge and engage in a in that way of happy to jump in and share and give their two cents. And it's really interesting. Um it's so hard to get people to respond to a question on Instagram sometimes, but on LinkedIn. Yeah, people, too. I agree with you. People on Instagram are very much aware of themselves commenting. TikTok, everyone just mm-hmm. screams at each other and it's <laughs> wild. Play. It's a wild, wild west. But LinkedIn mm-hmm. is a lot more 
engaged maybe but I think it's you're right if I'm wanting to be reaching certain people I think LinkedIn is actually for me a Mm -hmm. lot of the ways to go I, I definitely use it but I could use it a lot more yeah yeah amazing well it's so nice to meet you thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your experience with us today um, I can't wait to see where you go this year. I have some people I want to connect you with in London for yes, sure. Yes, and, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you're allowed to say yay. Um, and then hopefully we, we get to meet in person if you're in the US or I'm back in London. And um, yeah, just I'm here. So let me know if you need anything. Oh, thank you, Kara. Yeah. That's amazing. And I love what you've done with this. This is stunning. And I just, I feel so safe and happy. All the links to connect with Louisa are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe and review this podcast wherever you're listening and come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. To connect directly with me, visit caraduffy.com or cara underscore Duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.